On today's episode of With the First Pick, we'll tell you which future NFL prospects we're excited to see during the college football bowl season, both names you've heard of and ones that should be on your radar. And turning to the NFL, we'll look at five games over the next three weeks that will have the biggest impact on the NFL draft order, not just for that number one spot, Rick, but for those teams jockeying for position inside the top 10. I'm Ryan Wilson. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. And Rick, how many days until the 2024 NFL draft? 126 days until the 2024 NFL draft. <laughs> and I'm choking up. Oh, gosh. I'm you're so excited. excited. It's like your, your countdown uh, calendar. You just keep an X each day, 26 days, so I can actually be honest on the show with Ryan Wilson. And we're all looking forward to that, Rick. All right, let's get to it. Going to talk first before we get to these college Kids, we're excited to see during bowl season of those who are participating. Let's first take a look at uh, the NFL. Five games over the rest of the season that could have the biggest impact on the NFL draft order. And let's start week 16 because that's the week we're currently in. Panthers versus Packers. Packers uh, Panthers currently have the number one overall pick. That's going to go to the Bears, of course. And if Carolina wins... The chance they get the first overall pick is 55%. So if they win this week and then we have to let the next two weeks play out, they still have a 55% chance to get the first overall pick. Another important game in week 16, uh, and the, it feels like almost a relegation conversation if we're talking about soccer to uh, two guys who like soccer. Relegation would be um, – it's a fun story to follow if you're a fan of a team near the bottom of the table. Bottom three get kicked out. And they, they get to go down a level. This is a relegation-type battle in Week 16. Commanders at the Jets. And this will be jockeying for position inside the top 10. And potentially, and you know, we talked about this last podcast, Commanders fans weren't happy that I had them taking a quarterback in the last mock draft I did a few weeks ago. Boy, how sides have changed. Oh, exactly. And Commanders are currently fourth. Jets are currently sixth. And I would imagine the loser, whichever team it is, would be having serious conversations about a quarterback, right? I would think so. And the Jets situation, depending on if Aaron Rodgers comes back, which he stated that he is coming back, but does he come back? I guess I'm going to ask you this, Ryan Wilson. <laughs> so formal. <laughs> 26 days, bud. Just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So let's say that the Jets decide to move on from Robert Sala. And all of a sudden, that means Nathaniel Hackett's gone, their OC, because the reason that Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets was because of Nathaniel Hackett. So let's say he's not here. How does that impact Aaron Rodgers? How does that impact the New York Jets or the new people, you know, the new potential coaching staff that would come in if they do decide to make a move in the offseason? Um but either way, you're going to have to get a young quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers because if he plays a year or two, who knows, um, to get ready to take over once Aaron has decided to move on in life. Are you consulting Aaron beforehand? Because he was surprised when the Packers drafted Jordan Love a few years ago. Well, I, I, I think they I would give him a heads up. Uh, you know, that, hey, we're potentially going to take a quarterback. He's not going to be ready to play, but hopefully be under the tutelage of you and eventually take your spot. What if he said, I need you to take an offensive tackle? I don't want a quarterback. Well, that's that's the, the GM's decision to make and how he handles that. But so, they do need offensive line help. Right. But if they do address it, and I don't know the free agency market yet, but if they address it in free agency or they address it a potential trade. Um, but that's an interesting question because of the depth at the quarterback position. And let's say a, a Fashano, Fashanu is there or an Alt is there, then you almost have to take that tackle and say, we'll come back and get a swing on a quarterback later. Yeah. Because if it's not Drake May or Caleb Williams, those tackles are better players than these other quarterbacks at this yeah. point. I'm going to continue to ride the Jaden Daniels train until it goes over the cliff. Yeah. So. Well, he's a good player. And, uh, but is he going to be, is he going to have an immediate impact? Now that will depend on, like I said, what does the New York Jets coaching staff look like next year? That's true too. Thing, then, you know, they're going to have to win. So you're going to have to go uh, offensive tackle. 
if it's a new regime, which I don't know if it's going to be a new regime, who knows, you know, what's going to happen over these next three weeks, that it may be a whole different light on the subject that we're talking about. You didn't have to deal with this very often in terms of having losing records late in the season, but did you ever get a sense that there was some tension around the building because there could be oh, huge. I mean, okay. especially if you're having a losing season and there's potential of you not being there. Right. It's amazing how all of a sudden all the doors are shut. Everybody's <laughs> secret squirrel phone calls. <laughs> Who the hell knows what's going on? Everybody's like, I don't know if I'm going to be here, but I better make sure that I start uh, lining up my uh, ducks in a row just in case we get blown out here. Yeah. You think about the Raider staff, think about the charger staff below the head coach on the org chart. Those are all guys that are probably really stressed out right now because you don't know. It's, it's a hard part of the business because it's such a stress. And a lot of these guys have families, they have young kids. Uh, I know it's the life that you choose and it's part of being in the NFL is the turnover, but people don't look at, the family aspect of it. And it's extremely difficult when you have to, let's say you have a, your, your kids, right? And let's say you're a GM and you get blown out and your kids have been in that high school or whatever school they've been, they have all their friends and you come home and say, Hey, daddy got fired today. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're moving from whatever hell hole you live in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's right. Like I grew up, my dad was in the military growing up, so we moved frequently, not because he got fired, just because he got they they move when you get in the military, you get moved around every three or four years. And it's tough. And you know, it's even tougher when your dad or your mom loses a job just because that's the nature of the business. And it, that's something that I don't think we think enough about when we're wondering why teams struggle. A lot of it in December is because guys are stressed out and everyone players included, but even above them in terms of the coaching staff and the front office staff, they're worried about how this is going to play itself out. And I not really joke, but it, it seems to me a lot of times what turns, it turns into game of Thrones where people are trying to cover their own uh, asses and you lose sight of the original goal because everything is going, gone haywire. You can't say that on the air, but arses would be another. Arses. Use. Yes. Yeah. So according to Debo, can you cuss on this podcast? Cuss. Is that a cuss word? Can't you just say arses? I'll uh, I'll let that one fly, but don't go any crazier than that. Okay, <laughs> there you go. A double S. How about that? By the way, uh, Debo notes that the Jets are hosting the Commanders, and they are uh, giving the Commanders three points, and the Packers are minus four and a half against the Panthers. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, Rick. That, yeah, I put that Packers Panthers because that's probably the Panthers' best shot to win a game the rest of the year. Next week they have at Jacksonville, and then they close with at home versus Tampa. But this will probably be the smallest point spread for the Panthers the remainder of the season. Yeah, both those two teams, Tampa and uh, Jacksonville, are probably going to have meaningful games down the stretch here on seeding and and winning the division. And you know, Tampa has a big, 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 big game this week coming up. Uh, That's the Jacksonville game, isn't it? Yeah, because those two are playing against each other. It's in Tampa, and that'll have huge playoff implications. And Tampa wins, then they're in the driver's seat to potentially win the division. If they lose, I don't know if any of those, who knows if the if the New Orleans Saints or anyone will still be fighting for a wild card down the stretch, depending on how everything else and I think that's one thing that makes this league so interesting is that all these games, you, you and when you're in the front office or your coaching staff, you want to have meaningful games in December. And it seems like it's so wide open with only three weeks left. You know, you look at the Detroit, Minnesota, well, it's like a, a mini NHL series or an NBA series or yeah. maybe it's okay. Best two out of three uh, over the next two weeks. So the, I think the NFL does a phenomenal job of trying to figure out the schedule and having so many meaningful games down the stretch here. Another week 16 game to keep an eye on from the uh, bottom looking up is Cardinals at Bears. Bears, God, they should have won that game uh, against Cleveland. Didn't work out for them. The Cardinals are, uh, they beat the Steelers a few weeks ago. Kyler Murray looks pretty good. Uh, they lost, of course, to the 49ers last weekend. No crime in that. That's a tough matchup. Uh, and here's the thing about Arizona. They could go 0-3. If Carolina goes 2-1 and and the Patriots go 2-1, and it is a virtual lock that Arizona will have the first overall pick. Does that change 
your I'm keeping Kyler Murray math if you have the first overall pick, Rick? That That's a conversation after the season. And the Chicago, because they have the Carolina, they're more than likely going to be picking one or two or for sure in your scenario in the top three. So Chicago is going to try to win as many games as they can because they're playing on house money. They already know they got Carolina's top pick. So, but they're also have to win some games down the stretch because what is the future of, 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 of Matt Eberflus as a head coach in uh, Chicago? I don't think they're going to, I think Ryan Poles will stay there as a general manager with some of the moves that he has made, but there may be a coaching change there. If you're Arizona, you had the first overall pick right now. What are you doing? Well, okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely talk about Caleb Williams, but do you trade Kyler Murray? If you trade him, can you afford that type of hit towards your oh, yeah, salary right. cap? You got to take into consideration the contract and the guarantees monies and what's acceleration, what's your cap look like a year, two years from now, if you make that move. So there are a lot of, if I'm Carolina, I have a number one old pick. One thing I'm doing is just like I did last year, trying to trade out of that pick and try to get as many good football players as I can to continue to build that roster. If you're a team that needs a quarterback and you're willing to entertain a trade for one of those quarterbacks, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Justin Fields? Mm, mm, very interesting. Because <laughs> uh, Justin Fields, to me, is a very good athlete. He can make all the throws. If he has weapons around him, he's gotten better this year. Uh, the reason he's gotten better is because of DJ Moore. I think he has 144 quarterback rating when he's thrown at DJ Moore, 72 or 73 quarterback rating when he's not. So imagine if I can, we decide to stay with Justin Fields and I put Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore, how much better is that going to make Justin Fields? But then the question comes back that we don't know on the outside internally, what are the issues why Justin Fields hasn't accelerated to that next level yet was it some durability stuff there's no question that he makes plays with his legs um but it's is there something missing that we don't know on the outside that they know on the inside and if they do decide to move on from justin fields in my opinion they will try to trade him before the new league year which means that'll tell you which direction they're going with that potential number one overall pick. March 1st, is that typically the new year? Middle of March. Middle of March. So you didn't answer the question. I'll answer it for you. I think I would slightly lean towards Kyler Murray if I had to trade for a quarterback over Justin, but it's not a clear-cut slam dunk. No, that's a lot. That's a deep dive, and it's hearsay <laughs> what we're talking about. We're just sitting yeah, we're here speculating. That's what we do. Yeah. Rick hates hearsay. Huh? Rick hates hearsay. Brian, I was just going to say, you know, when planning the rundown, I was just thinking about if your stupid Steelers had just beaten the Cardinals and the Patriots, how much more fun this race for the number yeah. one overall pick would be. Absolutely. But they couldn't do it. Uh, let me ask you this, Rick, because I saw that someone mentioned this on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. And by the way, Debo notes that next week we're going to get through some of these five-star prospects. But one of the questions was, and I think even asked you this before, but just since we're talking about uh, the Bears and what they might do. Any chance you just take Marvin Harrison number one overall if no one's answering the phone or calling you about it? Well, it depends on how strongly they feel about Caleb Williams. And you remember, this staff, this GM, did not draft Justin Fields. Right. So they really don't have any true ties to him because it's not going to cost them their job. It's not going to cost the GM his job. I didn't draft Justin Fields. Yeah. Now I'm going to draft Caleb Williams. Now all of a sudden, Caleb Williams better come through. But since I don't have, that's a unique thing where you didn't draft Justin Fields. So you can always say, well, we got our quarterback of the future going forward. Yeah. All right. This is going to be gosh, so much to talk about. It feels like every year we have a lot to talk about. This year feels crazier than previous years. All right. Those are three games of week 16. We need to keep it on. Let's jump ahead to week 18 when things get really juicy, the final week of the regular season. Uh, the Jets are again uh, highlighted here. Jets at Patriots. Uh, there was a time three or four months ago that we thought this might decide perhaps even the division. And now it's going to decide something much less than that. Now, I don't know everybody. I wasn't, I, I thought that the Miami was going to win the division this year. Oh, okay. Not even the bills. Yeah. All right. Well, 
there's no threat from 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 either the Jets or the Patriots to to threaten either the Bills or the no or the Dolphins. So here's the deal: if the Patriots go one in three, they only have a seven percent chance of getting that first overall pick. They cannot win a game if they one go zero and three. One and two. Learn a one and two. Sorry, yeah, I can do the math there. There's no way they can go one and three. That part is confirmed. <laughs> if they go one and two, there's only a seven percent chance. Did you say learn the game? By the way. No, I did not say. I said learn the math. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a variation of learning the game. If they go 0 and 3, however, as we head into week 16, there's a 36% chance or so that they can get that first overall pick. Going to need help, of course, from the Panthers. Um, but Patri- Patriots are currently number two. Jets are currently number six, as we mentioned. And then finally, week 18, and this is an important game for both teams. Buccaneers, you talked about earlier, they're making their push to hold on to the division lead. They're actually playing better than the Jaguars, I think, a team they faced this weekend in week 16. They are at Carolina facing the Panthers. And the Panthers, if they go, oh, and let's see. Oh, here's fun. Here's a fun fact for you, Rick. If they go 3-0 and over these next three weeks, they only have a 2% chance the Panthers do of holding on to that first overall pick. So they have some incentive to finish strong. I'm sure David Tepper would like that. And the Bears are, you know, holding on to the, the, Bears, the pants. The Bears are rooting against them. These, and if I was the Panthers, I would do everything in my power to make sure that I don't give the Bears the number one overall pick. Yeah, you don't want to back-to-back years have the Bears have that opportunity for sure. So those are two important games there. When you're late in the season and things aren't going your way, is there any way to – Motivate yourself for a what's effectively a week eighteen homecoming game. I mean, to get get up for it, knowing that things are going to change pretty well, soon after the season. Homecoming game. I just mean as season's lost, everyone's ready to get out of there. Is there anything you can do to motivate the the troops one last time when they know everyone's going well, to? Well, the motivation gonna... is you, you want your job next year from a right. player standpoint. So yeah. if you're not going to be here, they're auditioning for other teams if they're going to be free agents or not. So. Yeah, you are going to play as hard as you can, and and your resume is what you put on tape. So I, it's not like we're going to walk out, just throw the ball, and get through this game, and then the cars are all heated up and <laughs> ready to hit the highway right after the game. No, guys are playing, and they're playing for their jobs. Is your schedule as a GM any different if your team is out of it as opposed to going to the playoffs, or you're still doing the same things? Still doing the exact same thing. Well, in the playoffs, you're getting, you know, your scouts are doing the advanced scouting for the playoffs. You got guys going out, you know, looking at these teams that you potentially may face in the playoffs. So we would have our pro department all over the place in week 17 and 18. Okay. Gotcha. Just getting ready for a potential opponent because you don't know who you're going to match up with, depending on how the rest of the regular season ends up. So that's a little different, but your college schedule, your college got everything stays the same. That never changes in the calendar year. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you were just, all right, we're going to get a head start on X, Y, and Z, but you're doing, doing what you do. Doing what you do. The That's schedule why you're is laid out and not that I'm anal and like things like this. Not at all. <laughs> but the schedule, I laid it out in July and the schedule didn't change. It may get adjusted some on if you're in the playoffs and the coaches when they start in a draft or start looking at free agent play, you know, stuff. And, you know, when you have your exit physicals and all that other stuff, if you get in the playoffs and you get bumped out. But for the most part, the schedule is set in stone, not etched in oatmeal. Etched in oatmeal. That's a new one. I yeah. Like I like that. Um, it's funny you say that. Something in oatmeal. Yeah, it, it's not. It, it doesn't work too good. Or porridge if you're in England. I thought you were working on your English accent. You used to throw porridge in there a few times. It's funny you say that about the schedule, Rick, because you've mentioned that I would imagine Debo would, would, would contend countless times because even though Debo is probably one of the most organized people we work with, it is nothing compared to the OCD anal retentive schedule you had become accustomed to over your 30-plus years in the league. Is that correct? That is very, very correct. And if this is anal retentive, what Debo puts up. It's, it's, <laughs> hey, Rick, June 17th, 2024, we're going to do the early top 200 prospects for the 2025 <laughs> class. So just so you know. Make a right, note. I'll get, yeah, I'll get started on that. Make a note, Rick. All right. I already know there could be some good quarterbacks coming out in 2025 draft. That is That is the thing about what we do. We are so much better prepared for the future than we were before this podcast started. I think even you, because you had other 
irons in the fire. You weren't worried about the. I was. I was worried about was getting to the, the 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 upcoming draft and what we need to get done for the upcoming draft. I didn't even look at what the future drafts were going to look like. At this point in the process, in mid December, how many players were you familiar with? Given that you traveled on Saturday sometimes to watch games and had some draft meetings, I would imagine during the fall. No, we didn't have any draft meetings during the fall. Oh, okay. So the, a lot of the teams come in and they'll do. We had some backboard meetings in December. Uh, some of the teams just do the character meetings in December to kind of get that kind of all squared away. So teams do it differently. Usually I've probably seen maybe the top 50 guys okay. by this time, but there's so much work to go. And a lot of times just because I, I always felt it was important for me that when I went out on the road and I went to a game to watch live, I was writing everybody. I was even writing college for agents because I thought I had to get to know those guys a little bit just in case when they came up in the meetings. People used to know, why are you doing that? That's so what Dino says to me when he's doing the homework. Yeah, like 140 guys or 130 guys during the season. And it may be eight guys on Florida State and eight guys over here at Alabama or whatever it is. I would write all those guys up before I went in to watch them play live. So I had a pretty good library, even on some of the later round guys, not and nowhere near what the college scouts have done or what the college directors have done. But at least I had a pretty good sense and a pretty good feel. It seems like that. And if this podcast was going, I would have had a much better feel for it because okay. I would listen to this podcast twice a week when we uh, air the draft. <laughs> I will say it makes sense, though. I mean, obviously, you were very busy, but it makes sense to have an idea of the players you're looking at before you show up cold and you have no sense of what's going on, especially. I, I can't do that. No, I could never. Uh, maybe I wasn't smart enough to do that, but no, I you're, wanted you're smart to, enough. to go in and I wanted to know what I was going to be looking at and what yeah. to look for. So if I knew this guy had this weakness or that weakness, I wanted to verify that when I watched him live. And the other thing that why I like to go to live games was things you can't see on tape. You see on the sideline, you see in pregame warm-up. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, <clears throat> is I was a defensive end that went high in the first round, was the most bizarre pregame warm-up i ever seen. He never came out with the team. He came out on his own. He didn't even work out with the defensive lineman before the game. He was doing his own stuff. He walked in when he wanted to walk in, and – he started out strong, but eventually phased out just because he was like that when he got to the NFL. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And you'd like to see the interaction with a quarterback and a coach on the sideline. I mean, I've seen quarterbacks slam their helmets down uh, when it came off. Don't talk to anyone. Don't interact with anyone. Uh, I've seen other court. To me, the best sideline demeanor I've ever seen was Matt Ryan when he came out of Boston college. And they, I was at the game. It was a night game. They played at Virginia Tech. They end up upsetting Virginia Tech that night, pouring down rain. But Matt Ryan was phenomenal along the sideline. And you can tell whatever that it factor was, everybody was rallying around him because he was a leader of that football team. Yeah, you said before that Matt Ryan was one of your favorite interviews when you got a chance to talk to him during the pre-draft process. Um, where are you on guys opting out of bowl games on the sidelines in civvies eating hot dogs during the game. <laughs> Let me see the opt-outs. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these players that Rick has spent so many hours studying. And we'll get a chance to see these guys, hopefully live, uh, in the coming weeks and months as we get through this draft process. So we'll talk about some of these prospects to watch in the college bowl games and the football college playoffs right after this. All right, Rick, just a reminder, next week we're going to do some five-star reviews that people have submitted via Apple Podcasts, and you can still certainly do that. If there's an FBS or FCS player who is draft eligible, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, tell us who it is, and we'll get around to evaluating that player. So we'll knock out some of those players next week, got some good ones on that. And then also, we'll talk a little bit, i got to write something for CBS Sports this week about, and I sent you the chart of the trade-ups over the last 20 years that teams have made to get these quarterbacks in the first round and how they've worked out. A lot of misses. <laughs> there have been some hits. So we'll talk about maybe that process from your end as a GM when you have to talk yourself into potentially trading up and why, and or maybe why not. And by the way, a guy you traded up for in 2014, I believe, Teddy Bridgewater, 
He's going to retire after the year to go coach high school football, I believe. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, he's it's unfortunate. It'd been interesting to see what type of career he would have had. Great kid, great family, great mother, um, great leader, quiet leader, but everybody just gravitates around him. And the trajectory that he was going before the you know devastating injury he had felt that he was going to be a, a longtime quarterback of the future of the Minnesota Vikings till that unfortunate incident on the uh, practice field that one year. On the outside looking in, it feels like he would have a really good he'd be really good as a high school coach. What do you think about that? No, yeah, he's he's great with kids. He, yeah. He's everything A plus uh, in all of the intangible categories. All right, so congratulations to Teddy Bridgewater for persevering as much as he did and playing as well as he did despite the injury. And uh, I look forward to him being a high school coach. And who knows, four or five years, he might be in the NFL coaching. I mean, Brandon Staley was, what, a John Carroll? That's what our buddy Pete always yells and screams about. Where'd he come from? How'd he get here? Who knows? All right, let's talk about these bowl games. Let's start with some of these January 1st bowls. 2024 already. Rose Bowl is Alabama and Michigan. Let's start with J.J. McCarthy, quarterback. And I went back and looked at all my notes again. I didn't watch the Ohio State game yet. I'm going to watch that, and then I'll watch that with the Alabama game. Um, but it, it keeps coming back to the same things. Athleticism is there. The arm strength is there. I question the decision-making. I question his consistency in terms of pulling the trigger on throws on time, especially intermediate. And I would like to see him throw the deep ball a little more consistently in terms of getting a little air underneath it. And those were the recurring themes in the games that I watched. I know you like him a little bit more than I do, but what are you looking for from J.J. McCarthy against one of the best defenses he probably faced this year? Maybe Ohio State's up there? Yeah, no, Ohio State was a very good defense, and Alabama has a lot of NFL talent on that defense as well. And Nick Saban's defenses are always top in the uh, college football. So this will be another big test for him. The one thing, Ryan, that I would ask you to consider, since you don't like him at all. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> is that what's this kid's record? 39-1. and one since he's been a starter at Michigan. What did uh -huh. he do when he got in a shootout last year? TCU, he moved the ball up and down the field, made tremendous throws. They end up losing in a shootout, but made plays with his legs, his arm talent, the deep ball throw, everything you wanted to see. He got injured or was playing through an ankle or some type of leg injury in that Penn, or the Penn State game, and they end up just handing the ball off straight. Has he been the same? Probably has not been as healthy, but still somehow they continue to win games. And can you name besides uh, Roman Wilson, any other receiver or any other skill guy? They have two very talented running backs. I know that. They got the big but, tight end, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, but those, he's a Saturday guy to me. Okay. Uh, but he's he finds a way to win games. And I think that has to go in part of the evaluation, too, in a Big Ten conference. Now, you know, they lost to the TCU last year. That's why I'm so excited to see him against Alabama. Should be a lot healthier with his time off since the Ohio State game and how he elevates and if he can elevate his game uh, against a very good Alabama defense. And that's one of the biggest factors. How healthy is he? Because that has a huge impact on how you play, obviously, because – it's hard to, to be effective when you're you're hobbled with an ankle injury. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just haven't seen it consistently, and that's my concern. And sort of the same things we talked about last year with Will Levis. He was banged up the entire year. You had to go back to the 2021 tape to see something that maybe you liked a little more. Uh, and that's my concern. And now, look, Will Levis went to the top of the first round. I stopped at the second round, excuse me. Pick, round. Yeah, pick. yeah, Pete thought he should have been the number one overall pick. Yeah, Pete, my mind on the, the Will Levis thing. Um, For me... I think he's the top of the second round guy right now. Maybe he goes crazy against Alabama and I will reconsider. Maybe we'll find out he's injured and I'll reconsider. But I think right now, based on just what I've seen, top of the second round. So I know you like him more than that. How, how high are you willing to draft him? I think he, there's going to be a lot of conversation on teams' boards on whether he is the third player off the board. Would you take him over Jaden Daniels? I want to see this Alabama game. Okay. Right now, probably Jaden Daniels. Uh, the way he finished the season and the way he played this year. But I just go back to whatever 
he may not be the flashiest, the fanciest, or whatever, but the kid is 39 and one, I believe, as a starter in a power five conference. What is a because I don't have one, which will come as a shock to you. What is a good comp for JJ McCarthy? Because I can't think of a player at that position that plays the way he does that you know, in terms of lacking, I don't say excitement, but he he's not as electric as JJ as uh, Jaden Daniels is, for example, or as even Drake May is at times. Yeah, I don't remember. Did we come up with a, a summer comp for him? Did we even talk about I'm sure about mine it? was terrible. Mine was probably Baker Mayfield. And then we'll, Jay, I'm sure Debo will look it up <laughs> and let me know. It was either Baker or Jamarcus Russell. I can't remember which. It was one of those two. I, that would be my yeah, guess. Yeah, that one made no sense. I'm sorry. I didn't say Jamarcus Russell. I'm just making up stuff. Uh, but Debo will let us know. It's on somewhere. <laughs> it is not outside their own possibility. All right, so you're saying middle of the first round, Feels comfortable for you for JJ, and we'll reevaluate, of course, after the bowl game and we'll get through the process. And I'm saying early second. He so was only not, had, you know, part of the top five that we discussed in in the summer, actually. So we not give out a, oh. a summer comp. Oh. I was going to ask Rick, JJ or Penix. Oh. JJ. He's so afraid of Penix's knees. Penix's knees are bionic. He's fine. Ryan, you have Penix ahead of JJ. Yeah, oh, yeah. He has JJ in the fifth round, Sixth. whatever round. Spencer or JJ? Who'd you say? Spencer or JJ? Oh, Spencer all day long. Come on, Rick. You're taking Spencer. No, I would, I would have to think about it. I mean, all right, let me tell you who, who I have. So Michael Penix. Oh, then I have JJ. Yeah. I'm looking at my list to double check. Yeah. And I have him ahead of Spencer just, just for clarity. So we're not going too crazy here. Just, Just to bring it up because, um, our, our preseason top five quarterbacks were Caleb number one. Drake May, number two. Number three was Bo Nix. Number yeah, four was Quinn Ewers. Was, uh, uh, actually, a tie at, at number four with Quinn Ewers and Ryan's guy, Riley Leonard. Yeah, Notre Dame's own Riley Leonard. That was Ryan's list. Not that my was list. my list. That was Ryan's list. Yeah. So That's okay. That's what summer's that. about. We learned some things. I think Quinn Ewers might have a resurgence if he doesn't come back. We, I think there might be a push for him as we get through the draft process. Okay, here's my comp now that we've been thinking and I've been going through my Rolodex as, What'd we, you got? Listen, as we listen to your obscure list or whatever <laughs> list that was. 26 days. Um, <laughs> it, he needs talent around him. He is more than a game manager, but he knows how to win games. So I'm going to throw this out. Yeah, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. And Debo, you can chime in since you're behind the curtain or wherever the hell you do the show from. Um, is he a Jimmy Garoppolo type? I mean, that is so deflating. You're going to take a guy 15th overall. I'm he's... talking about a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. Doesn't Garoppolo throw the ball better down the field when he's healthy? Or is that a function of being in college? I'm, I'm saying take out Garoppolo's, but when he was with San Francisco and even New England, when he has some support around him, he yeah. knew how to win games. That's true. That's, That's true. my point is forget the physical stuff and all gotcha. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. But okay. my point is when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, he was able to win games. And yeah. somehow this kid has a trait to win games. Does that yeah. make sense? I, I mean, it does just, make sense. I'm just a scout in the corner sitting next to the owner while you're sitting up there. So I'm trying to get approval from you. But if you're the scout in the corner and we're having the conversation of JJ versus Jaden in terms of who we're going to take with the 15th overall pick, you got to do better than that if you're selling me on JJ. I, I'm not. I'm not selling anything on you. I'm just giving you my opinion. Okay. I'm just a guy in the corner. You got to make those decisions. I'm just a guy that's just <laughs> plotting in the corner. Don't forget Ryan, that you word. taking Jimmy Garoppolo or Lamar Jackson? <laughs> I'll take Lamar. I'll take a flyer on Lamar. I mean that that name has come out of both of your mouths when uh, making Jaden Daniels comps. Yeah, I think Rick's Rick's not making the physical comps. I'll give him credit for that because he he would hold that against me if I made those same clarifications. But I it, just in terms of, but I think you can say that about a lot of these guys. Rick, maybe Caleb is the exception. They all need to be surrounded by guys that can help them because you throw Bryce Young into the Carolina Panthers, that team is going to stink. Right. So. All right, so that look, I hope he balls out because I want to like JJ. I just hadn't, I didn't, I hadn't gotten it yet, and I, I hopefully part of that. So he just needs to get healthy and come out and do his thing. All right, so we're only I half around. Four meetings with you to get you on the JJ train. Yeah, that's right. We got time. It's early. 
It's not even 2024 yet. In that very same game, now here's a young man that needs no convincing on my part. I watched a couple of his games yesterday, and he ain't even my rat hole player because everyone's going to know about him if they don't already. Chris Braswell, edge rusher number 41 out of Alabama. Um, when we talked to Will Anderson a month or so ago now, he talked up Dallas Turner, of course, but he also said number 41 is for real. And he said he would roll with both those guys any day of the week on any team. And Rick, you know Braswell better than I do, but my God, he might have the best bull rush for someone that size of anyone in college football. Like I was impressed with how consistently he was low, got underneath the pads of the tackle and just marched him right back into the quarterback's lap. It felt like every time he wanted to. Um, had a little push-pull move. He didn't have a variety of pass rush moves, but it felt like he almost didn't need to. High motor guy, plays through the whistle, plays with an edge. He, It feels like he's not better than Dallas Turner, but it feels like he's the perfect complement to Dallas Turner and what they do. And I'll go ahead and give you the punchline here. I think he goes early second round. Like I, I would be shocked, unless he's small. Like I don't know what his size is. I didn't look per the Rick Spielman rules, but... I would take him early second round and feel great about it, given the way he's played. Yeah, he is a – his strength and power are what you see in good NFL rushers because of what you mentioned, the leverage, the the power, the one arm, how he walks offensive tackles back at the SEC level. The only negative I probably had on him was he is heavy-handed at the point versus the run, but he doesn't consistently get off blocks. I think he does come in as, as a Friday pick, depending on how the pre-draft process goes. And I think he's going to help someone. Is I won't label him a DPR, designated pass rusher, but he's initially going to be a, a pretty good rotational pass rusher for, for some team coming in. Debo says unofficially 6'3", 255. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I would say he's right around that range. Okay, so he's not light at all. He's, he's no, thick. He's, he's a thick human being. <laughs> I love I love it, man. That was a fun watch because sometimes you you get caught watching number fifteen and you don't see the rest of the team and number yeah. forty one flash. Fifteen Dallas Turner is way more athletic, I guess, um, just smoother moving, but Braswell's just so heavy handed and so powerful. And he's not a bad athlete. I thought he was a pretty oh, good athlete. No, he's yeah. but he's not Dallas Turner athletically. Right, that's right. Not asked to do a whole bunch in terms of dropping into coverage. Do you care about that if you're drafting them? No, you're not drafting them to drop in coverage. Yeah. Okay. Don't draft them. Jeez. All right. Rick has spoken, Debo. All right, next up, another Alabama player who we've talked about previously. Wide receiver Jermaine Burden, who I think's had a really good I season as well. Sign. Can I make a sign, Debo? It just says just the scout sitting in the corner. Why? What is what what's wrong? No. I, I this I I'm just I'm just giving an opinion from a scout's point of view oh okay the only thing i was gonna say about your uh, jermaine unless i'm stealing your guys is that what you're complaining about no no <laughs> the only, I'll, I'll say this about jermaine and then we can talk about him we talked about him probably uh, a month six weeks ago on the podcast because he had uh, a few good games and all of fbs rick he ranked tw- uh, fourth excuse me every single fbs wide receiver ranked fourth in terms of yards per reception at 22.2 and he was targeted how many times? He was targeted 52 times, had 35 catches, zero drops. Oh, I counted a drop or two. So. Oh, okay. All right, uh, you're different than PFF, but. Yes, I am. I'm a little bit harder. You're tougher, greater. <laughs> See, uh, I'm just a scout sitting in the corner. <laughs> Tebow's uh, graphic underneath my name. <laughs> oh, there it is. I just a scout. <laughs> you could put next to the owner too, Debo, if we had more room. <laughs> uh, this kid made a very, very good decision to come back this year because last year I thought he yeah. was a Saturday pick. This year I think he's going to get in the mix with those Friday receivers. He is fast. He is twitchy. He has improved as a route runner. But the thing he improved most was even when I went back and watched tape when he was at Georgia before he transferred to Alabama is that he had inconsistent hands. He had too many drops for me this year. He's catching everything. He still has a couple drops, um, but that has improved, but there's no question about his speed and his ability to stretch the field and Milrow, the quarterback that's finally kind of solidified himself as the Alabama quarterback has a hose to throw the ball down the field and has a lot of confidence 
and this kid, and this kid goes up and gets the ball. And he's a twitchy athlete after the catch. Now, you don't hear his name a lot, but I think as we go through this pre-draft process, and because he didn't have the ungodly, you know, 90 catches and 250,000 yards, but when you sit down there and break the tape, break the tape down, he is pretty explosive as a receiver and probably an underrated player right now, in my opinion, going into this draft. Second round? I feel comfortable with second round for him, unless there's a uh, lot of Yeah. No? I, I, I don't know. We have to get your big board so we can uh, stack okay. all these receivers. But I think you're right. I think he's flying under the radar because Bryce Young is in there throwing him the ball 50 times a game. And it's one of those situations where he's not Jonathan Mingo, but Jonathan Mingo stuck into the second round and people weren't necessarily talking him up until they're like, oh, they drafted Jonathan Mingo. And I think he's a twitchier athlete than Mingo, but just in terms of the second round possibilities. But yeah, we'll see. All right. Ryan, when's your big board come out? I don't even know. I have to check on that. Uh, probably maybe around Senior Bowl, definitely between Senior Bowl and Combine, I would imagine. So get some updates there. And then after the Combine, then we'll start doing the tiers that Rick loves so much and got a lot to do in a little bit in 126 days. You boy. All right. Next up, staying at this very same game. Mikey Sanders still the star or nickelback, former wide receiver, undersized. We talked about him a few weeks ago as well. I, I love him. The only thing is his, he's undersized. Are we moving away from being concerned about quote-unquote undersized DBs because that seems to be more in fashion, especially given how well some of them are playing, or is it still a concern? Yeah, no, especially the Nick. I think he's going to be an ideal Nick. Um, you know, we talked about the kid that uh, we had him. We talked about him a few uh, sessions ago on his podcast, uh, the kid from Utah that uh, ended up in Atlanta that started. Oh, yeah, Clark Phillips III. Yes. Uh, this kid is a twitchy athlete. He can run. He's undersized. He'll get out muscled for the ball in some contested situations. But just watching the tape, to me, he is the emotional leader on that defensive side of the ball because of the way he plays. I mean, he came up and whacked a dude in the Ohio State game and just set the tone. He's not afraid to run support. Uh, but this kid just, he's fun to watch because he plays so hard and he plays with so much passion. Does he need some technical work? Yes. But you have some athletic tools to work with. I think this is a kid that probably going to be a Saturday pick, but it's going to surprise a lot of people. You know who I'm going to make a comparison to? Oh, I got one. Go ahead. I want to hear it. Go ahead. Yours. You're first. You're the GM. I'm just a oh, guy in the corner it. sitting next to the... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this when we talked about Mikey last time, but I said uh, like a little slightly souped up version of Mike Hilton. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay, what's yours? Who was our little my one of my uh, favorite little corners that uh, did not get drafted, but's playing very oh. well today right now? Is Christian Itzian out of Rutgers. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know what you're doing back there in the back. <laughs> yeah. Hey Spielman, come sit up in the front so I keep my eye on you. Stay away from the owner. You sit in the front seat. That's where you put the bad kids. Yeah, Itzian's a good one. I haven't watched him closely this this uh, fall. Have you watched Christian in Tampa Bay at all? Yeah, no, we watched him. We talked about him on one of the shows. But yeah, he's a, he's a feisty little corner. Yeah, that all of a sudden you know is not going to get drafted high because of the size. Uh, but you can't pass up what type of football player this kid is. Did you say Saturday day earlier? Yeah, I say Saturday, some midday Saturday. I I might take him top one hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I, you need a nickel. I, I don't know what you need. I'm just. Are you willing yeah, to say on this podcast just, that he's? I just did my area. I'm doing what I'm asked <laughs> to do. Are you willing to say, like you told me before the show, that Mikey is better than Brian Branch? Who? Brian Branch and Sander Still. You said Sander Still is better than Brian Branch. Remember you told me that? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the look on your face. I think there's a chance, but the size matters. That's why Clark Phillips fell to day three. Right. And he if ran he, four five one. Right. If he's six feet and runs a four four, this is a different conversation, but those things didn't happen. But right. a great player, a great player, fun player to watch. And late day two, early day three. Day three. But go ahead. Day three for him. All right, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. I'm gonna talk about a young man in the running for wide receiver two right after this. All right, Rick, 
see if we can get through these guys we have left in the next 15 minutes or so to keep this thing a manageable time. Next up, Washington wide receiver, Roma Dunze. We've talked him to death. I don't think there's anyone outside of the quarterbacks that we've talked more about than Roma Dunze. Huge strides from 2022 to 2023. We talked about him over the summer. Plays fast, contested catch machine, high point machine, stronger than anyone else in the secondary. Uh, Michael Pitts Jr.'s go-to guy, on and on and on. He's not yet your wide receiver, too. Could that change if he goes for 3,000 yards in this game? Nope. And let me, by the way, let me, it's a Sugar Bowl against Texas on January 1st as well. That'll be the second game after the Alabama-Michigan game, just so uh, as a point of reference. Why not? Because I think Neighbors is more dynamic, faster, okay. and more fluid as an athlete. But now this kid is num- my number three by far. Yeah. But I just don't see him passing Neighbors in my mind right now. And would you be shocked if all three of the wide receivers, Marvin, Neighbors, and Odunze, were gone by top 17? I don't know. Haven't seen your uh, big board yet. Worth noting, by the way, we thought that Jackson Smith and Jigba might be a top 10 pick, and the, those wide receivers didn't go off the board until 20, 21, 22, and 23. Right. You had Zay Flowers, who was small. You had Jackson Smith and, Z- and Jigba who didn't play because of a hamstring. So those yeah. guys fell in the draft. And then Addison, maybe they were because he was skinny. But all, all three of those guys have had pretty good impacts on the roster. The only one that didn't has been Quentin Johnston. Man, I wonder if – maybe not. I don't know if Brandon Steele would still have a job had they taken Zay or Addison, but we don't have a time machine, so we'll never know. You guys had a Zay number five on the preseason list in the draft range, like second to third round. Obviously he's moved up since then. Do you remember your comps? Oh my, I know. Cause Rick Hamilton Hodd, I said a better version of Nikhil Harry, I think. Is that what I said? No. Oh, good. I'm sorry. I put that out there. Anquan <laughs> it, Bolden. It was, it was worse. Oh, uh, it's worse. Cody, Cody Latimer. Oh, that's terrible. Even I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's so, dog dookie. That's so bad. That's terrible. That is truly, I can't even disagree with you. Rick. Who is Rick's? Do you remember Rick? Was it uh, Aronde Gatson? Cedric Tillman. Oh, Cedric oh. Tillman. Yeah. Gatson's not a bad one either. God. Yeah. All right. You can go back and sit in the back of the room. You okay. got that one. That was pretty good. Cedric Tillman's pretty good too, but he's clearly twitchier now than we thought he was yeah. and ahead of Cedric Tillman. I, I went off of Cedric Tillman before the ankle injury yeah. and because he didn't play as well you know, before he came out in the draft last year for Tennessee. But All right. is, yeah, past Cedric Tillman by far, in my opinion. Top 20 pick, though, right? We feel by the dunes. Yeah. We feel comfortable with that. Yeah, I think so. He's special, man. He does. And a lot of people can make the, or some people say, well, that's why Penix is so good. That's who he's thrown to. Well, I mean, is Penix not supposed to throw the ball to those receivers that are going to get drafted? Like, we still got to go off what we see. All right. This next guy plays for Texas. I hadn't watched him until yesterday as well. And we talked about his teammate, Tavondra Sweat, who outweighs Byron Murphy probably by 40, 50 pounds. <laughs> they both play on the inside of that defense. I think unofficially Byron's listed at 292 or so. Woo-wee! He's got a little little juice to him for a quote-unquote tiny guy, little guy 290, whatever he weighs. But uh, keeps low pad level. He plays zero, and he plays two mostly is what I saw when I watched him play. Doesn't get too farther outside of that. And he wins with a little juice when he shoots through the A gap and he can walk the center back right into the quarterback's lap when he's playing zero. And sometimes I notice that he struggled. He plays with such slow pad level. I don't know if it's his cleats, but in several games he struggled to keep his feet because he was so low sometimes against double teams. And I don't know if that's just a function of what the games I watched or if that's something that you fixed. Like, I don't know what the, the answer is to that, but it wasn't because he was too high. I felt like he was almost too low if that's a thing. Yeah, but, but love- he still was, came off his knee and split through the double team. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, the, the athleticism is nuts for someone uh, at that size, even though maybe you think he's a little light in the pants to play defensive tackle. I don't know. Our interior defensive line. Uh, I don't even know. Where, like, what, what are your thoughts on him? Because we haven't talked a lot about him. We haven't heard a lot about him, but I was really impressed with what I saw. Do you have a comp for him? No. I, I mean, like, last, last year it was uh, – the Pittsburgh kid that it was light, but he has short arms. This guy doesn't look like he has short arms. So I don't know. Who's what's the, the Tampa Bay kid? Who's it? Who would they draft out of Pitt? Can't 
Cancy. Oh, right. Uh, Kalaja Cancy. Thank you. Um, you have to yell. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't have a comp off the top of my head, but um, maybe I'll think of one while you tell me what you thought of, of Byron. Byron Murphy. Okay. This guy was probably my biggest surprise that I watched. Oh, I watching this kid play. Uh, the leverage, the strength, the power, uh, the twitch, the inline pass rush ability, uh, the motor he plays with. Um, not nearly as big. He looks like half a man versus sweat next to him. <laughs> right. But this kid was mo the, one of the most disruptive besides Newton at Illinois, one of the most disruptive detent defensive tackles I saw. I was a I was a huge fan of his. What's and your I, top form? Uh, I was kind of going through the Rolodex, um, but I kind of came up with uh, the kid that came. Uh, I don't want to say Hargrave. Hargrave kind of bopped in my head a little bit. That's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And a kind of a Hargrave, maybe a, a Grady Jarrett type, you know, those undersized guys, but they're yeah. strong, explosive, and powerful, but kind of the Hargrave Jarrett mold. If that I'm going to steal the Hargrave one, and I'll, I'll give you credit for it, though. That's a good one. Uh, all right. Now the big question uh, Johnny Newton out of Illinois feels like he's. I don't think he falls out of the first round. Maybe there's a run on other positions, but he feels like DL1. Byron feels like a second rounder to me, easy, but maybe that's... Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, and I'm going to be curious to see as this continues if he can creep into that lower one range. Because Kalaji Kansi went in round one. We know about the 29-inch arms. We talked about it to death. Is there a huge gap between Kalaja and what Byron, Mur uh, Byron Murphy did? Yeah. Run. Yeah, he's this guy is way more explosive and powerful uh, defending the run than Kalaja was. Okay, so that that's one that's my my point. So the Kalaja went the bottom of the first. It wouldn't be necessarily a blow your hair back shock if Byron Murphy found his way into the bottom of the first. Not there you me. go. Heard it here first. Well, good. I'm glad you liked him, Rick. Thank you. Thank you, and for thank you for that comp that I don't have to make up now because you gave me a good one. All right, another young man that you and I have talked about in recent weeks and both like him a lot. He's playing in the Arizona bowl. The other national title bowl that no one talks about. Actually it's uh Toledo playing Wyoming, December 30th, 4 30 PM Eastern. If you are so inclined to watch, he does have a senior bowl invite Toledo cornerback Quinion Mitchell I had him going. I think in one of the first rounds we did on the, on the show, maybe the one we did with, with Josh Edwards a, a month or so ago. Um, I'll spoil the plot here. I have him as like a second round pick right now, but he he's long. He's twitchy. He's not stiff at all. in terms of his movements, I thought he could run for days on these vertical routes and he's not afraid to come downhill and pop people. Um, I think he, I have to double check, but he's a pass breakup machine. I'm not sure where he ranks nationally, but he, that showed up all over the tape. And the other thing, you know, a little handsy downfield, but as you've noted time and time again, those are things you can coach out of the players. Joey Porter Jr. isn't necessarily struggling with that after doing it at Penn State, seemingly on every play. What do you think about Quinion Mitchell at Toledo? Yeah, I was another guy that I really liked after I watched the tape on him. I watched the San Jose game, and he had five PBUs that game. Jesus. Uh, he <laughs> Kept going a, after him. <laughs> yeah, he is a ball hawk machine. And, you know, I even watched the uh, MAC championship game against uh, – it was a Bowling Green. I can't remember who they – Miami of Ohio maybe. I can't remember who they played in the MAC championship game, but he had a couple nice plays in there. Um, this guy's big. He's athletic. He is so raw with his technique. Couple, they, I think he's a better when he's in press than when he's in off. Yeah. Although his transition quickness, although his feet are all over the place, everything that maybe you poke holes in him can get corrected with coaching. Uh, the only other thing that I thought was a negative was the dropped interceptions. I think, okay. he, yeah, he had a couple, he had one drop that I saw uh, in the Bowling Green game that, uh, and it was in Bowling Green that they end up winning the shootout like 34, 35. Um, but this kid has a lot of natural skills and talent to work with. And he has natural instincts to strip receiver the ball, to find the ball in the air without getting PBIs because he is on top of these receivers now, especially down the field. And when he flips his hips, he can run. So, but technically he's going to take some time, 
but I think this kid has a very, very bright future. This is Josh Edwards mock that came out oh. today. Oh, it came the out end today. Of the first round. Mm. Yeah. I very love interesting. It. So where, where are you having them draft wise? Where, where are you taking them? Well, I, I don't think this is a strong, strong corner class. Yeah. So I think that I'm not going to argue with Josh on this one that I could think he can potentially sneak in the bottom of the first by the time yeah. it's done. And that's that, the other thing. Ball will be big for him. That's true too. That's right. Because we've seen guys go and improve their draft stock and sometimes guys stumble a little bit and then you have to go back and reevaluate. Uh, that's the other thing when you sort of in the media in the fall and you know, you're not focused on other things, you, you get caught up in the, echo chamber and guys like Byron Murphy and guys like Quinion Mitchell and even Deesa Isaac don't necessarily get on your radar as possible top 40 picks. And then everyone acts surprised when that sort of happens as we get through it. But that's what this podcast is for Rick to enlighten folks who might not otherwise be enlightened. And thankfully the scouts in the back of the room is the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> just, it makes just all of us just a supporting actor and a bad Hallmark movie. Hallmark. I think Hallmark's going to be in your future. All right. This is one of your nominees, and I'll let you take the reins here. But let me just say, West Virginia center Zach Frazier, that was another fun guy. That guy, I again, I won't spoil it. I was very impressed with what I saw from uh, Zach Frazier. Feels like he's more of a, a zone blocker than a power run blocker. But tell us about Zach uh, Frazier, who looks to be an incredible athlete. <laughs> well, I was excited to watch him. And sometimes when you're doing tape evaluations, after you watch a Murphy and a Mitchell, then all of a sudden you're like, I got a little disappointed in Frazier. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Interesting. So, and maybe because it's unfair because I've seen the other two, and this was the last guy I did last night, you know, before I went to bed at 930 while I'm still trying to get my homework done. <laughs> but I think he is a smart, he's savvy, plays like a vet. Um, he is an outside zone scheme type athlete. I think that he does a great job running his feet. He can gain position when he's working laterally down the line of scrimmage. When he locks on, I do like his grit and finish. He tries to finish guys. I think he's athletic where he stays on his feet at the second level. Uh, I do think he's going to struggle if you put big people on top of him and you're going to try to ask him to move people off at the point. I think that's where he's going to have some of his struggles. I was a little bit more disappointed in his pass pro than I thought I was going to be. Okay. That's technique, but I watched uh, whoever number 11 is from Penn State do a quick arm over around him, and he wasn't able to recover and get back in position. He got collapsed some with power. So my biggest concern is he has to be in the right scheme. I don't have any question about his passion, his grit, uh, his ability to fit in certain schemes. I think he does have to get stronger. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. These guys play in the league. I just think that there's going to be a few holes that are that are, that are going to be poked in him as these teams get into the uh, draft meetings. I also watched Byron Murphy before I turned to Zach, and I was upset that West Virginia wasn't playing Texas. So I wanted to see that Big 12 matchup. And That's the first you... game I went to look at. I watched him against Oklahoma. I watched him against Oklahoma State. I watched him uh, Kansas, I think. I watched was one of the games I watched. So if you are Texas and you happen to play West Virginia, you feel more comfortable with Sweat over Zach, or would you put Byron over Zach? Like, what's the best matchup for you defensively to win that? Either one. This, yeah, pick your poison. You're going to get. He's going to. He's going to struggle versus both those guys. He's a pretty good athlete. I wonder if he'd have a little more success against Byron because it's like both of these guys. Well, he's not going to. No one moves Sweat off the ball. Right. Uh, but. You, you're you're discounting that Murphy is a pretty explosive, strong. Oh, he is. Athlete. Yeah, they can get underneath the pads and play with the leverage you talked about. Yeah. To me, it was. I don't see too many guys that, like you said, whether he's on the ground or he puts one knee on the ground. Maybe that's a technical thing that was been taught to because. Oh, yeah. Then, then get your knee on the ground, dip through, and and split the combos or double teams at the point. But that works too. Apparently, that's a, the teaching point. It's working. Yeah, and that's something you would ask in an interview. Yeah, 
I, that's funny. I like Zach Frazier. I didn't know what to expect. I like him. I, I just yeah. I don't think it's a strong center class. I think I like the kid from Georgia a little better. Van yeah. Pran. Uh, Van Pran, I think. We were going to watch him, and then he uh, – we don't know if he's opted out or if he yeah. has. That's why he didn't make the list, but we will certainly get back around to him. All right. Day two? Would you take Frazier? Or is that too rich? Too rich. You think so? Okay. Just some round? Huh? Oh, yeah. Fourth round? Yeah, I think okay. we you're getting it up maybe third, but more likely fourth. Yeah. Okay. I think late day two, early day three. Okay. We'll split the difference there. All right. Only allowed six pressures all season, no sacks. Does play on the inside, but take don't that watch forward. the Penn State game. All right. Debo's already watched it. At number eleven, Abdul Carter is certainly someone you'll be talking about in the first round next year. That's Micah Parsons' old number two, I believe, wasn't it? That's uh, number eleven's very famous at at Penn State. Oh, okay. Did you know who I was talking about, Debo? Yeah, I, I think he's he pops kind of more than than Chop Robinson at times, yeah. and he's just a sophomore. Wow. Yeah, he is a man. You know, uh, you know a former number oh, two overall pick that wore number eleven for Penn State. Yeah, I know that. That's easy. Who got it? He's from Western Pennsylvania, I believe. Todd Blackledge, but he plays on defense. <laughs> Nothing. Lavar. I was going to oh, guess. Hard. I was letting Rick guess. Yeah. I didn't know who you're talking to. Debo chimes into this damn podcast all the time. I don't know who I'm. I That's mean, I see you. I can't see Debo. He uh, hides behind the window. Yeah, he needs detailed instructions, and he needs to be able to see you, Debo. Those are the the lessons we've learned. My uh, uh, my little hostel in Italy isn't that. <laughs> yeah, like he's on my camera. Yeah. By the way, Rick, some people left comments that they like Debo's interactions on the podcast. So, yeah, he's a star. I'm just like I said, I keep getting bumped down the chain. Oh, please. You're going to get us all fired when you keep talking to the owner. That's all I know. All right. One last one here Malachi Corley was sort of in the game, in the bowl game for a half, had four catches. And I had him as a, when we do these, with the first pick mock drafts on the show, I'll have them going at the bottom of the first in recent months, like to go to the chiefs or whatever to help them out. And as the more I watched, the more I realized that they use him every single ball. They throw to him. It's like 50 or 60% of the balls are either behind the line of scrimmage or within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And they give him the ball and say, all right, go do your thing. And look, he'll run through arm tackles and he, that's his jam. He, and I've compared him to Debo in that sense. He's not Debo Samuel. He's not that athlete. So I don't know what you do with him. Like he reminds me maybe a better comp in terms of put the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. And I don't think he's as good an athlete as this player is Rasheed Rice. No, God, no. I, I, I'm sorry. That's a good try. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Like the offense is a little different. We'll see how he runs like, in terms of what he looks. It's hard to tell. You I don't think he's the athlete. Rice down the field making some pretty significant. No, that's right. That's I'm just talking about like in terms of like getting the ball out within 10 yards and say, all right, go do your damage. So he's not Debo. He's not Rasheed Rice. And he's not going to be a first-round pick. I think he's probably more likely to go – I mean, he might go late day two, early day three. That wouldn't shock me, given the way he's used. and the Because you have to figure out a lot of things about how you're going to use him in your offense based on the way he was used at Western Kentucky. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out if he can run routes and run a route tree. Yeah. They don't ask him to do that, but he is a, a playmaker when the ball is right. in the hands. Now, let me ask you this question. I'm just uh, from the corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does he deserve Mr. Wilson uh, when you're stacking the draft board up there about him and Leggett from South Carolina, two big physical receivers? Well, here's the thing. Let's say that you're Andy Reid and you're having this conversation. I am taking Xavier Leggett all day long because I know he can win down the field and make contested catches. I don't know if Malachi can do that consistently to the point that you just made just because we haven't seen it. And by the way, when you haven't seen it on tape and maybe you see it in a few one-on-one drills at the Senior Bowl, and I think Malachi has been invited to the Senior Bowl, how do you sort that out at his pro day or private workout if you don't know? You don't know. Yeah, you're, you're uh, making an educated guess. Yeah. And that's the difference between being a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick probably. Yeah. That's uh, like I said, I don't, I don't want to rain on your parade, which I would never want to do. No, of course not. But, you know, because the last time we talked about this kid, you were pretty uh, beating the uh, old bandwagon drum. I had uh, him and Riley Leonard going in the first round. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> Unbelievable to watch from the corner what unfolds on this podcast. 
Well, that's why we have, like, that's why we go through the process and, and watch okay. the players. And so, awesome. all right. Any other thoughts on Malachi? Would you take him uh third round? And it's, let's just kind of, I mean, I would consider it. I want to see him down there. Okay. It'd be great to see him in uh, our little corner or big corner from Toledo matchup. If we're yeah. able to go if, if uh, down to the senior bowl and watch practices. We'll be there. Why do you, I, I told you we're going to be there. Okay. It's going to work out. Debo's going to be there. He's going to have the, the set set up for us. He doesn't know that part yet, but I'm working on it. We'll be there. We'll there's get to watch there's no uh, direct flights from Milan to Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if there were? That would be something. <laughs> Just take the private jet, Debo. All right. That's all we got here. You got anything else, Rick? You want to No, add? that was kind of uh, some new names that have popped up that people may not have realized, but these yeah. names you better get familiar with because they're going to be risers up draft boards. Yeah, that's that's right. We've been talking the same guys to death, so it's nice to mix it up a little bit, and we'll continue to do that. Remember, next week, we'll do some of these five-star reviews. We'll talk about uh, something I'll be writing for CBS, trading it for quarterbacks. Is it worth it? Um, oh, yeah, by the way, before we go, if you like what we do here, be sure to tell a friend to help spread the word. Give us all a thumbs up on the YouTubes if you're watching us there. All right, Rick, that's it. Episode one. Okay. I, I broke another squeeze ball. Oh, my gosh. How did how'd you do that? I'm doing this podcast. Oh, yeah, that was a dumb that was a dumb question. All right, episode one oh eight in the books. Thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. As always, thanks to my guy Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. We'll be back on Tuesday. If you're celebrating, have a great Christmas. Either way, enjoy the football this weekend. See you later.